Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Today we continue our journey in the book of Judges. We need to understand Judges, for the most part, were generals commanding troops in guerrilla warfare, fighting for freedom rather than deciding court cases. The one notable exception was Deborah, who did it all extremely well. In today's reading, we see an unlikely general being called by God. Let us turn to these words in Judges 6, verses 11 through 24. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Ophir, which belonged to Joash the Abuser. As his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has cast us off and given us to the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. Then he said to him, I know I have found favor with you. Then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. Do not depart from here until I come to you, and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. The angel of God, so Gideon went into his house and prepared a kid, an unleavened cake from Ephah, of flour, the meat he put in a basket, and the broth he put in a pot, and brought them to him under the oak and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat, and the unleavened cakes, and put them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord cakes, and the fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Help me, Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. 
But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abirazites. The word of the Lord. Several years ago, I met a woman who openly claimed that she was an agnostic, but she wanted to read the Bible. So another friend gave her a Bible and one of those read through the Bible in a year programs. She was very earnest and she was very dedicated, but when she came to the book of Judges, it really slowed her down. This is what she said to me. I just can't go on. Too much smiting. Smiting, 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 she would say. Everywhere, smiting. And she was right. For Judges is a hard book. And the history that's recounted there is sad and gruesome. People are conquered and slaughtered. Leaders rise up. Battles are fought. People follow or not. And after a victory, there is a semblance of peace that might be restored. The people go back to God or go back to their old ways of ignoring God and worshiping the gods, the pagan gods of the Midianites and the Amalekites. There is a lot of smiting in Judges. And just about every chapter begins with the words, Now the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. There are years of peace, but they are not the focus of the book. It's about the upheavals and the downturns in the circumstances of Israel since the death of Joshua. It's about the waywardness of the people and the call on certain certain leaders to save them from their own self-destruction and bring them back to the worship of God. Chapter 6 begins with a recounting of the oppression of Midian on Israelites. This oppression was so harsh that the Israelites had fled to the mountains and caves and strongholds to escape them. If the Israelites planted crops, The Midianites and the Amalekites would come and destroy the produce, and they would leave them with nothing. They would steal or destroy the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, and the other livestock. The Midianites were ruthless in their wasting of the land, and Israel was impoverished and oppressed, and they were filled with fear. The story of Gideon opens that he is in the wine press beating out the wheat. Now, for us non-farmers, we may just pass over that detail. But a wine press is dug down into the earth like a trough or a vat, where the grapes can be pressed out, while the threshing floor for wheat is out in the open, where the wind can blow away the chaff. Gideon is hiding. He's hiding in the wine press. He's hiding his wheat, and he is hiding 
from the Midianites. But the angel of the Lord shows up and sits down under a tree that belonged to Gideon's father. The angel greets Gideon with words that we will hear again many hundreds of years later, spoken to a young girl named Mary. The Lord is with you, the angel says. You mighty warrior. Now, Gideon was not a warrior. He was a farmer. And that moment, he was not particularly mighty or brave. He was afraid, and he was hiding in the wine press. Gideon has a ready response to this divine greeting. He says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? This response of Gideon is one that I have heard in variations over and over again, especially when I was a chaplain at the hospital. Why is God letting this horrible thing happen to me, to us? This, how could this disease, how could this death, how could this happen if there is a loving God? We know it is a question of the ages. It's been the title of books. Where is God when, it's hurt, when it hurts? Where is God when bad things happen to good people? And so Gideon echoes that response and says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Now Gideon knows about God and about God's presence. He's heard it from his ancestors. It was even recounted in the text that we read today how about God's mighty deeds at the Red Sea, in the wilderness, and in the conquering of the land. These stories of God's presence and God's deeds were the very fabric of who Gideon was as an Israelite. How can you say that God is with us, he asked the angel. The angel does not give Gideon an answer, but instead offers him a challenge and a commission. Go, the angel says, in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Gideon responds, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest of Israel, and I am the least of my tribe, of my entire family. Gideon was the youngest. Doesn't it seem as if Gideon is resistant to believing anything this divine emissary has to say to him? So Gideon offers the angel a counter challenge. Show me a sign, he says. If you really are the angel of the Lord, and what you're saying to me is true, wait here, he tells the angel, until I return with my offering, he says. So Gideon goes off and prepares meat and bread and broth, and he brings it back to the angel. The angel tells him to put it on a rock and to pour the broth over the meat and the bread. Then the angel reaches out his staff and touches it. And poof, there is fire. And it is consumed. And it all goes up in flame. And when the smoke clears, the angel has vanished. Then it, the verses tell us 
When Gideon had experienced this and perceived that this creature, this person, this angel who had come before him was indeed an angel of the word of the Lord, his first words were, help me. Isn't that a great response? Anne Lamott wrote a book on prayer, and she entitled it, Help, Thanks, Wow. The three aspects of prayer. And the first word is help. Gideon had a belief in God. But Gideon was moving to a place of believing God. He, if you had asked him prior to this encounter with the angel, angel if he believed in God, of course, Gideon would have said yes. Gideon was an Israelite. Gideon believed in, in God, but he was coming to believing in God, believing God. One of the opportunities that comes to us when we read scripture is to uh, open ourselves, to learn from it, but possibly even to see ourselves in it. And this is a story in which I think we can safely say we can see ourselves, that we believe in God, but the challenge is always believing God. Do you know what I mean? When the going gets tough, when the way is dark, when there's lots of things to be afraid of, when circumstances are unpleasant, we can get stuck with our belief in God with lots of questions and counter arguments and doubts, but not a lot of openness to believing what God is saying to us or believing the promises that have come to us through scripture. Believing God is a stepping stone to faith. Believing that God can be trusted, that God can make a way out of no way, is the journey of faith. Believing God when scripture says, do not be anxious, do not be afraid. Believing Jesus' words when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Or believing the words of Paul as he wrote in Romans that said, God will work all things together for good if we but trust God. Or Jesus' words to Paul when he said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Gideon believed in God. He was being brought on a journey to believing God. His story continues through the next few chapters of Judges, and he does not go into this um, role of being a warrior as God has offered him uh, willingly. He is reluctant. He continues to ask God for proof. He wavers back and forth. He listens and he questions. But God is patient, and God is faithful to Gideon. God takes him on a path of discovery. 
in which Gideon will learn to trust in God's plan, God's purpose, and God's ways. He will be asked to do some mighty and difficult things all along the way, but God reassures him that God will be with him. God is showing Gideon that believing is the way of faith. Gideon has one more conversation with God after the offering is consumed by fire. It's recorded in uh, verses 22 and 24. He cries out, help me, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. In that prayer, Gideon was crossing that threshold from belief to believing. And notice how God responds in those verses. God responds with a word of peace. Peace, says the Lord. Do not fear, you will not die. The grace of God responds to a doubting, fearful farmer with words of peace. Do not be afraid. And Gideon responds by building an altar, an altar of worship, which was a very visible symbol of his faith and allegiance to this living God, this Jehovah of Israel, which was in contrast to his neighbors. For the people had been building altars to Baal and other pagan gods. They were bearing witness to their rejection of the living God, while Gideon was on a journey of declaration and discovery that he was worshiping the living God. But lest we think that Gideon was a fully transformed man, I invite you to read the verses following 25 to 27. I'll just read them here. That night, the Lord said, take your father's bull, the, the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father, and cut down the sacred pole beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the townspeople to do it by day, he did it by night. Gideon was a reluctant hero. He was a man with fears and weaknesses. He considered himself a nobody. His understanding of God was complicated. His knowledge was incomplete. But he was learning, and he was listening. He was taking those baby steps of faith to believe what God said to him and to act on them. And in the book of Hebrews, Gideon is listed as one of the faithful heroes of our faith. Now, this story of Gideon encourages me, and I hope you would find encouragement in it too. For like Gideon, we live on that seesaw of belief in God and believing God. We live with the same up and down faith and doubt. And God is not shocked or provoked 
with Gideon's response, nor is God shocked with ours, for we are up and down people. We want to believe, but then we don't. We try to understand, and sometimes we do, but then we don't. We want to trust, but it's hard. And so on this day, wherever you might be in your journey with God, wherever you might be in your inner monologue of prayer, whatever the challenges you might be facing, or the despair that might be lurking around your heart and mind, I invite you to see God, God at the hinge of this juncture, God at the point of this moment. I invite you to see the patience of God in this story, the compassion of God, and the grace of God. For God offers this gracious blessing of peace to Gideon. And it is this peace, this shalom of God, that comes to a troubled, fearful man who is teetering on the hinge of belief and believing. This is the living God, the pursuing God, a God that has passion for the people of Israel, for the people of this day and time, and for us. This is the relentless God who will not let us alone in our waywardness, but seeks us out and continually calls us back. This is the God of peace, the God of shalom, who hears our prayers and our petitions and invites us to take those baby steps of faith, to trust in his presence, to walk in his grace, even when the way ahead is dark and unknown, to move from belief in God to believing believing God. May it be so. As we pray today, I'm going to use a prayer that was written by my favorite theologian, Walter Brueggemann. It's a prayer he wrote that he prayed in one of his Old Testament classes as he was a professor at seminary. It's called, You Live at the Hinge, and the you is his reference to God. Let us pray. You brood in the night in its fearfulness. You dawn the day in its energy. You move at the end of the night into the margin of day. You live at the hinge between fear and energy. You take the feeble night and give us strong day. You take our fatigue and bestow courage. You take our drowsy reluctance and fashion full-blooded zeal. What can we say? You, only you. You at the hinge and then the day. You and then us. From you faithfulness, us for the day us and the freedom and courage and energy, and then back to you in trust and gratitude. Amen.
Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.